Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. Today on In Awe by Bruce, we have George and Kat Vasquez, who have created a media group called Revolution Media Ministries. They're evangelists, they're authors, they've written books and have new ones coming out, and TV hosts for the past 15 years. What you'll find is they're very passionate and energetic, and you can clearly see this in the youth events, church events that they go to, as well as the music festivals. But the key is, is that they use all of that energy and their ability to evangelize the gifts God given them to strengthen the body of Christ to, to reach the lost. And that's what's tremendous. What really intrigues me today is what their latest really foray into this area that God has put on their heart. And that is a book and film series with the intriguing title, Your Story Is Not Done. So if you're like me, we're all, you realize we're all wired for story. And you know, I look at this and I think, okay, that is great. I maybe don't have to be caught where I'm at. My story's not done. There's more. So I'm I'm intrigued and like to welcome both of you to uh, In Awe by Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. We're honored to be with you. Well, glad to have you here. And so maybe take us back to each of your beginnings. How did you, what was it that God did in your lives that brought you together to start Revolution Media Ministries? It was a long story, but uh, I'll try to give the, the abridged version here. I got saved at University of Florida, right, uh, by a baseball coach that led me to the Lord. Uh, I ended up transferring to play baseball at a small school in Kentucky, Bellarmine University. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just went D1 a couple years ago in the middle of COVID, so go go Knights. <laughs> and while I was there, we got a new coach, and the coach really felt led to get me on board with Athletes in Action, you know, oh. which is a Christian athletic group. They do a lot of sports events. And yes. so I play uh, baseball for a summer. We did a stint for almost three months uh, playing baseball and sharing the gospel down in, in South America and Central America. And while I was on uh, getting ready and training in Dallas to go down there, they realized that the translator and preacher was sick and wasn't going to go. And so mm -hmm. they were like, hey, George, your name's really Jorge. I'm like, yeah, I go by both. Okay, you know, but you can call me George, right? I always tell everybody that. But uh, they said, do you speak Spanish? I'm like, yeah, I'm Cuban, of course. And they're like, okay, you're going to learn how to preach. And so, uh, and so John, who was, happened to be, uh, he was on staff and the chaplain for Clemson at the time, kind of taught me how to preach. And, and so uh, we went down there and, and shared the gospel with a lot of people and saw a lot of, a lot of people come to know the Lord. But while I was down there, I started getting dreams and, and just a vision really for the kids with the band t-shirts and the painted fingernails and the, and the, you know, the cutting on their, on their hands and I yeah. really felt like the Lord said, you got to go after these kids. And so when I got back, I got hurt and it gave me the time to start Revolution Ministries. And so uh, we started doing like mini Billy Graham type crusades with concerts and festivals. And then we'd bring in preachers. I'd bring, you know, FCA preachers and athletes in action preachers. And sometimes I would preach, you know, just to evangelize. One day God really sat me down, just really put on my heart. It was time to do television. And he, you know, he always impressed upon me that 
there's a lot of ministries that are high maintenance and low impact. And he said, hey, I'm going to give you, I really felt like God said, I'm going to give you a ministry that's low maintenance and high impact. Mm -hmm. And at that time, that meant television. And so we were doing our last concert. Uh, we, we had to buy some advertising, and that's how I met Kat. Kat used to be a news reporter, had a degree in broadcasting, but she used to work at the local Christian station and uh, was, you know, wanted to come home. And that, that's in a story all in itself. But uh, she took the first job. They put her in the sales department. And luckily, it was right timing. And so we got engaged within 12 days, Bruce. That's a, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> you know, that's a whole nother episode. Uh, uh, and by the grace of God, we got married seven months later. And it's been 18 years. But that's, that's, how, uh, that's how it was, was being obedient to God, listening, really feeling what he wanted to do and, and seeking wisdom his wisdom. And it led us to that. And and it snowballed. We got married for a year in, in marriage. We, we devoted ourselves just to marriage and getting to know each other. And when the time came to get into television, it snowballed. Uh, it wow. snowballed. We, it, we, we were at a, a festival and uh, just sharing the vision, right? Habakkuk too, you know, write the vision down, make it plain. There, Harold or may read it and run with it. We just kept sharing the vision. And yeah. a board member of this large festival picked it up, introduced us to another festival. They hired Catherine to host it. While there, they had a full crew from Nashville. They heard the vision and they said, hey, back then HD was like state of the art. This was 12, 13 years ago. And they said, hey, we just we just rented a bunch of equipment for a commercial job. Why don't you come on the weekend? We're, we're done shooting on Friday. We'll do a pilot for you. And they oh, did. Cool. And, and we did a pilot for what was called Revolution TV. Before you know it, I remember I was working at a bank at the time. I've, I've been bivocational all along. I love Paul and Paul was bivocational most of his ministry. And so I love that, that aspect. Long story short, I remember walking the halls of the bank one day and I get a call from a lady named Hope Daly from Sky Angel. And they saw the, the pilot and said, hey, we want six of them like tomorrow. Right. So that's what kind of got us started in media. And before you know, we were on, what, 16 or 18 different networks around the world. Mm -hmm. Translated into four different languages. It, the Lord truly did use the foolish things. Yeah. And um, what I loved about George's story, even when I first met George Vasquez, he had this reckless faith. Mm -hmm. And I loved that, you know, at such an early age, I don't know if you caught this, Bruce, but he was yeah. still in school when the Lord started giving him dreams and visions and a papa's heart to go after these other kids that the church effectively was not reaching at that time. So with George's passion and seeing these visions that the Lord was giving him and this kind of father's heart that was starting to grow in his own spirit, he stepped out in reckless faith, and the Lord met him. Mm. So I think that might be a word for somebody, you know, some of you that may be called as creatives into the arts, into media for such a time as this, and you are feeling that unction and that draw. Uh -huh. Talk with the Holy Spirit about the next step, the open door, because the harvest is ripe and the arts and media are such a powerful way to deliver the truth of Jesus. It translates through time. And Jesus himself was a storyteller, was he not? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
So this to me was so encouraging, and I just wanted to encourage those that may be listening also that have that dream of using their kingdom gifts and kingdom creativity to share the love of Jesus and the hope of Jesus. Well, you know, I could already see how you guys make a dynamic couple, you know? <laughs> Thank you. It's just, yeah, I mean, that's, it's just like how you just melded together on that and bring out the different things. And when I hear about that, I want to hear more about the kids that, that kind of were being left behind, that weren't being sought after. Are other churches able to understand that, pick that up, or or what are you finding? Well, Bruce, that's that's a great question, and that and that's actually some of the things that we're seeking the Lord for wisdom and, and tactics, how we can better enable the church to do so. Early on with the outreaches, it was easy to get churches locally at the time, wherever we had one, to jump on board. Mm-hmm. With television, it was easy before the days of broadcasting. I would call it the golden age of broadcasting, where people actually watched linear television. It yeah. was easier to reach the masses. Now we are in the day of social media, it democratized it for a season, but now with the algorithms, mm-hmm. it's being censored and control. And so we're we're seeking the Lord, like how can we partner with the church to mm. really reach people in the mission field that is media? That you know, the majority of our kids, they're on a screen for at least five to six hours a day. That's minimum. Right. Most are even more. And so it's kind of like, how can we get around the algorithms that try to push you to see what they want you to see? And so we're we're really seeking the Lord there. But I I do think that the church has to really get over what I call the big brother syndrome, because there's two people that we feel called to go after, the prodigals, Mm -hmm. right? And last hour workers. And both come from a parable that Jesus taught and both give warnings of, you know, like the older brother in the parable of the, the prodigal, right? It was like, wait a minute, I, I was doing everything right. Why are you, Father, going to embrace him, right? And after he, he strayed. Uh, yeah. The same with the last hour workers. Well, hey, I worked all day long. Why are you going to give him the same wage if he only worked an hour of the day? And mm-hmm. I do feel that as we get closer to Christ's return, which obviously, you know, Paul said we're close back then, right? So we're obviously closer, right? Yeah. And yeah. he was, we're going to see some of those prodigals come home and we're going to see some last hour workers jump on board. And we, as a church really need to embrace them and honestly leverage them, leverage them to find other last hour workers and other prodigals to invite them back home that, Hey, this is a safe place. We are a family. God's love is unbelievable. And it is time to come home. Mm-hmm. And Bruce, just to to leverage what George was saying, uh, in these last days, I believe that the church is going to need even extra grace within their own walls as the Lord raises up new, for lack of a better term, fishers of men to go out. The great the harvest is so ripe, but the laborers are few, right? So the Lord in this season has already been um, calling and drawing out those leaders, training them up, refining their character, and they know it because their passion and pursuit is only for 
Christ Jesus. They, it's like that's all they want. It is totally consuming them. And if this might be a word for somebody that's listening right now. So the moms and pops in the church, you know, mm -hmm. I would just encourage you to step up to even mentor some of those that you see are emerging in this hour as either kingdom creatives or as evangelists or as missionaries, because these are the days of great harvest. And the enemy would like nothing more for us to believe that our story is done, that mm -hmm. what I've done in the past is too shameful. I'm totally disqualified. Now, that is the, the DNA and the message that we are it's a counter narrative that what we bring. And so we, what we're trying to do, and George was mentioning, you know, the challenge of sharing on social media because of algorithms and censorship, but yeah. there are other means to share the truth of Jesus and to equip these future leaders to go into all the nations. We have a book called Your Story Is Not Done. It is on our website. It's a practical 10 chapter book that simply shares the love of Jesus mm -hmm. and folks hope. It's also a wonderful gift to turn around and encourage someone else with. So we are trying to work with local ministries, outreaches, rehab centers, even prisons. This is something that the Lord's put on our heart as of late to develop and foster those relationships, because even though social media might get a little bit uh, stamped down as far as influence, a book practically passed along, the mm -hmm. Lord used that as well as uh, the film series, which there's a link on our website as well, Your Story Is Not Done. The film series can be seen on, on Roku and Amazon Prime, which are also wonderful tools to share the testimonies of folks who believed their story was done. And when they submitted and asked the Lord to step in, radical comebacks came out wow. of that. So we've got a film series, we have a book, and we also have a podcast, which is more about the equipping and the encouraging of the body of Christ. It's kind of like a little pep rally for churches. So all of those tools are on yourstoryisnotdone.com. I think that, and the mission is twofold, right? Obviously, it's to share the hope of Jesus with that message that your story is not done, but it's yeah. also to encourage the body of, of Christ to share their own story. And uh, Catherine coined a phrase that we've been using on the podcast that, hey, your story could be the key to unlocking somebody else's freedom. And, you know, Jesus himself said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Our testimony, our story is so powerful and it could connect somebody else that may have a similar story to say, hey, wait a minute, if God did it for him, he could do it for me. Amen. And and so I think that too often the enemy of our soul lulls us to sleep and really uses guilt and shame to say, hey, they don't want to hear my story or my story is too outlandish. It's too crazy. It's too shameful. And the reality is that, no, if you read the Bible, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stories, crazy turnaround stories. And our God's a God of turnaround. You know, mm. I, I mentioned earlier that that I'm a bivocational, and one of my little <laughs> one of my little niches in corporate America is a turnaround guy. I love turnaround situations, right? And, yeah. uh, and I'm usually sent into turnaround situations. But what I love about it is that in the natural, it represents what God wants us to do in the spiritual. Mm -hmm. It's to go out there and share his powerful gospel and, and share his powerful love and allow him and his Holy Spirit to turn people's lives around. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we need to do. And it could start with our story. 
So that yeah. that's one thing that if, if anybody out there listens, if there's one key takeaway is that God wants to use your story to turn other people and change other people's story. That's beautiful. I love that. That's great with what you're doing. And uh, it's so exciting and because, you know, I, I mean, I've seen it happen in my life and that kind of thing. I want to go back to one thing because this is something that I'm used to or understand and have had happen and everything. But some people, Cat and George, they go, what do you mean you had visions? I'm not sure about that. How do I know those are really the ones from God and I'm not just making something up myself? Oh, it's easy. It's the easiest thing. The Bible is clear. It talks about it in Joel, talks about it in Acts that my children and will dream dreams and see visions, right? And so that is a thing. God wants to talk to you. He wants to hear him. He wants you to know that he's there and he's with you. The best way to know it's God is to know God's word because those are 27 love letters that he's written to you. And whatever he speaks to your heart is not going to contradict what he has written in his word, right? And so that Mm -hmm. is the best way to know it. And so the analogy that I use, because I do believe that you can hear God and be directed by God and his Holy Spirit, is that imagine we're on a chartered fishing trip, right? And we're out there in the ocean and all of a sudden you get water splashed on your face, okay? And if you grab that water on your face and you put it in your mouth and you taste it and you know, wait a minute, it's fresh, then you know, hey, somebody was playing a joke and they just sprayed you with a water bottle, right? But if it's salty, if it's, you know that, oh my goodness, this came from the ocean, right? This came from (laughs) the ocean. And so that's the same way with the word of God. The word of God's translated too. It's logos and rhema. The logos is that eternal word of God, right? That that Mm -hmm. is his word. And then the rhema is that fresh word that pops up from the logos. That rhema constitutes, has the same context as the logos. And so when it comes to your heart and you hear it, as long as it lines up from God, you know that's God. I truly do feel that that's one way that we can come to know the Lord and know him better is by getting to know his actual word better and hearing him. And so people are scared of that, of moving in, in, in that. But I think if you take baby steps towards what you feel God's putting in your heart, he's going to do some amazing things in your life. And he's done it in ours, and I've seen it in many. And, and yeah, there's been some misses, but hey, that's that's learning, right? Give yourself the grace to learn a little bit here and there, right? But as long as it lines up with the Word of God, you know, you should have comfort knowing that you're moving in the direction he wants you to go. And Bruce, something else yeah. that we try to do personally, we ask the Lord every morning to direct our footsteps and, and open mm-hmm. our ears, open our hearts and our eyes to how he is answering our prayers and guiding us. And certainly in these days, we need wisdom and discernment. So we need to be in the word now more than ever and pursuing Jesus now more than ever ever. And he is so faithful. Um, That is his greatest desire is to commune with us. So could you imagine if we started running and pursuing him as hard as he is running and pursuing us? (laughs) That's everything right there. So becoming more available to him and then asking him to open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to how he is leading us and how he wants to use us in these times. Amen to all all what you guys said. I I actually uh, think you guys should uh, bottle your energy and passion and sell it <laughs> online. <laughs> I love it. You guys are yeah. I, you guys are getting me so pumped up. Oh, the Lord is so real. 
and both of our stories can attest to that. We are passionate because he has really pursued us in our mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, I've been there. <laughs> Not your mess, but obviously mine. <laughs> Um, tell me more than, let's go a little deeper into uh, your story is not done. Tell us how God has worked in those and maybe some of the people that you ha are interviewing or have, I mean, have interviewed in there and some of the stories that would resonate with people out listening. Oof, there's several, and we're just getting started with the film series. But mm -hmm. um, one of the ones that, that I think is, we're just now launching our third in the series. The first one was on uh, Brian Welch, who's a lead guitarist for Korn. He kind of focused his story more on his daughter after he came to the Lord and some of the issues he had with his daughter. Like, God, what what are you doing here, right? I've given you everything. I'm following you. Like, why, why are we taking these twists and turns, right? Did I do something wrong, right? And I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, especially as parents. But I think the other one that was very powerful was Annie Lobert, who was a former prostitute and just sharing her story about how, A, how she fell into that. She came from a normal family, right? In Minnesota. It yeah. It wasn't anything came from a, a crazy situation, but she stumbled into that. Just the beauty of how God brought her out. The most powerful part of that story was caught off camera. And I told Cal, I was like, I wish we'll have to have her on a podcast to explain. But she said, right after we got done, she said, you know what the shame was? The shame was that it took me two years to get into church because the first time I walked into church, mm. I came in a little mini skirt and high heels. That's all the clothes that I had where everything was that. I had some ladies that approached me and said, oh, honey, you, you can't wear that here. And, oh. and so the guilt and the shame put on her was like, oh, you know what? I'm, I don't belong here. Oh, gosh. And so that broke my heart when I heard that. Yes. And we really learned some big lessons from her testimony, too, because sometimes as Christians, we get caught up in the, the routine and the cycle. But yes. when you're sent out to evangelize the lost, you know, you have to understand where they are coming from. They may not have a grid whatsoever for things of the Bible, for yeah. what is virtuous and, and values in general. And that's why earlier, Bruce, when I was mentioning, I feel like the Lord is really going to be raising up evangelists and missionaries and even kingdom creatives in this hour that are meant to go out as a laborer because the harvest is ready, but we are going to have to come with the Father's heart leading us and seeing them already as restored, loving on them. We've got to have so much grace because the Lord desires that not one would be lost, right? He, right. he turned his back on the 99 to run after that one. Mm -hmm. And who was Jesus's posse? You know, he hung out with, for lack of a better term, the societal outcasts, yeah. you know, the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And we have to look more like Jesus. That has mm -hmm. been my prayer. And, and it's, it's a challenge, I believe, to the church today to put on Jesus's sandals every day and yeah. to run after those that may not look virtuous like you, that may not smell like you, that may not have appealing um, or popular to run after. But mm -hmm. we have to have grace because we need more Justin Bieber's and Kanye West's saved in the world and Chris Pratt's. Those folks are all over the place. You have to have grace to evangelize and also 
mentor and walk out what it means to live a faith-filled life for Jesus. Mm -hmm. We have to have that grace. And so, like I mentioned earlier, the the big brother syndrome, we got to eliminate that because the honest truth is God's the one that judges, right? We're not the judge. Our job is to share his good news, right? Right. That's our job and to love others like we want to be loved, right? And to love God above all. The other thing is that a lot of these people, as I mentioned with, with Annie and they are scared to come to church. Yes. And so we have to, that's one reason why we felt led to do media missions is because we want to go meet them where they're at. And that's mm-hmm. the town square right now is, is the media, is the screens, it's, you know, and it's getting scary. Like the, the things that our kids are getting into, it's the virtual reality world. It's, it's unbelievable. The metaverse is, there's stats now that in the next 15 years, the 80% of people will spend the majority of their life inside some form of a metaverse. That's scary. That is that real is scary. scary. And so we got to meet them where they're at. In the prodigal son, in that parable, the father ran out to, mm-hmm. to, the, to the son. He ran out. Uh, we wrote in the book with, with a friend of ours was staying with us when we were in the middle of writing. And, and she mentioned how in, in, you know, in Jewish culture, it was very taboo. It was very you know, shameful to show, expose your ankles. It was almost like a dress, the type of robes that they had on. The father had to grab it, pull it up above his ankles to be able to run, and he did. And so that's the kind of thing that we have to take his lead and run after these prodigals and go get them. Go get them. You know, it's just like the parable of the wedding piece. The owner was like, hey, go get them. They're not coming. Go get them. Go bring them to this beautiful festival, right? And uh, in reality, it, it's a representation of us and Christ, right? It's our wedding, right? It's our wedding to Christ because we're his bride, which is really weird for me as a guy to say. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I do feel that we have to do a better job to go after and connect them. And, and that's actually one thing that we're doing right now is praying, God, what does that look like? What are some of the goals that you want to give us? And I keep coming back to what Kat mentioned. It's the one. It's the one. It's like we can have all these goals and reach thousands of people and connect them and bring them back to church. But in reality, the one that the most meaningful number to God is is the one. It's, it's the, that yeah. one, one by one, mm-hmm. and bring them back in, into the family. So, yeah, that's what we need to do as a, as a body of believers and as the church is go out, meet them where they're at. Don't, don't just stay behind the four walls. Let's go out and get it. And by the way, be a conduit. We have some amazing local churches. I really feel that we need to be better at championing our local churches. A lot of us mm. uh, have been hurt through the church, right? There's people in the church. Mm-hmm. Wherever there's people, there's going to be hurt, right? But we have to look past that and really champion the local church because that's where we're going to bring the fish back. We're going to yeah. catch these fish. You know, we're yeah. going to be fishers of men. We got to bring them back. And so yeah. that's where we can connect them. And so uh, I feel like there's some people out there that need to know that, that be a blessing to your church. Go out there, go out there and witness and share the love of God and then bring them back. Bring them back as part of the discipleship program. Bring them mm-hmm. in, connect them, plug them in because mm-hmm. it's time. It is time. The harvest is plentiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think one of the keys of what you just said, jumping back just a little bit, is that Love initiates. It wasn't that we went searching for God. It's that God loved us first. Yeah. Mm. God gave his son. He He takes the first steps, and, and it's incumbent upon us to take those first steps, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Wow. Well, anything else uh, you'd like to say on the things that you're doing before we go? I'll be, I'll be posting all the 
the different ways that people can see or reach your ministry. Uh, but is there anything else that you want to direct people to or say I, about what you're doing? A couple things. If they could go to yourstoryisnotdone.com, if they mm-hmm. can sign up for our newsletter, that's the best way to, as we mentioned earlier, fight the algorithms. That's the best way to, to fight any censorship to go out there and, and do that. We've seen some censorship already with uh, with Amazon. The first film was on Amazon Prime. Huh. Uh, second one was was not. Um, so if they can go to yourstoriesnotdone.com, see the website. The other thing is you look into buying the book. They can watch the films, buy the book. They could do the podcast. They could wear. So you could read. Catherine watch, probably says it better. Watch, read, and wear. You know, the, the <laughs> ear helps spread the message. And lastly, if they could share their testimony, we're looking actively for people to tell us their story. And so we asked three minutes or less if they could just take a quick video on their phone and share their story and send it to us through the website. And uh, there's a good chance we'll share it on one of our podcasts or on our website through our social handles. We want to build that practice of sharing your story. So that's great. That's really exciting. And Bruce, one last thing. I just wanted to encourage your viewers and so much for giving us the time to connect with them. The Lord came to give us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Uh And If you think about this, the Lord ordained it for you to exist for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. Don't you think you carry so much purpose in this season? So I am just praying and believing that those viewers today that might be struggling in fear Uh and um, struggling through the trauma of this last season, and maybe they experienced some devastating loss that the Lord meet you and comfort you right where you're at, my friend. He came to give us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And he is breaking fear in this season so that you can start seeing more clearly. He's got a plan for your life, and he loves you so much. So stay encouraged. Your story is not done. Kat, what you just said, I I truly believe— God has made us individually to be able to go into the world with gifts and abilities that he's given nobody else the specific realm in which he has things for us to do that will give us fulfillment. It's out there, and he really does want you to do it, and he wants you to see his love and power through him being able to work through you as you let him do that. Amen. Amen. That is it. That's the adventurous life right there. Yes. That's it. Hey, well, if you two don't mind staying on for just a minute, uh, we'll say goodbye to everybody else. But uh, I just wanted to run something else by you after we got done here. You two, thank you so much, Kat, George, for for everything. And really appreciate God bless you and your ministry. And and I just ask for everybody out there to continue to pray for what they're doing and, and what it means in our world. And also, go ahead, take a chance, step out and find out that your story really isn't done. 